My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Uh, Pastor Francis has been with us for just over a year, and uh, he has had a couple opportunities to preach, but he's had a great opportunity in uh, launching and building the ministry uh, with the Indian community. You know, God has moved all around us to move people uh, from all parts of the world, uh, but we've seen a tremendous uh, growth in the influx of those from India, and so that's on his heart. Uh, That's his passion to plant a congregation, and so we're on that journey. So let's welcome Pastor Francis as he preaches in the Doing Good series. Thank you, Pastor James. Uh, wonderful honor to be here. Um, how many of you know the word Abby? You know, Abby, not short name for Abigail, but A-B-B-E-Y. It's a building. Uh, it's a place for, you know, it's a British word. Uh, Westminster Abbey is a, a landmark building in London that has uh, some famous people buried there. Uh, there are gravestones of monarchs, of scientists, Uh, poets, and even uh, missionaries. Under one particular gravestone uh, was buried a man by the name of uh, David Livingston. David uh, was a medical doctor and uh, missionary to uh, to Africa. David grew up uh, as working in a yarn factory in England as a piecer. Uh, A piecer's job was to spot uh, threads of yarn coming off of the reels of a yarn machine um, and that's what he do it all day long. An exciting job for David, right? Uh, he, so David's job was to sit under the yarn machine and collect those threads of uh, yarn. Uh, David and three other piecers reported to a yarn spinner, <clears throat> and all the spinners reported to a foreman. And David, uh, in his job, he, he wanted to effectively, effectively utilize his time, so he brought books and stored them underneath the yarn machine. And one of the books was a, a nice Bible. And one day, uh, David was accused of reading instead of working. Uh, so the foreman called him and asked him, how did you, get to, uh, how did you acquire such a nice Bible? Uh, to which David replied and said, uh, he had won it in a competition, uh, memorizing the whole chapter uh, of Psalm 119. Uh, so that, to that, the, the foreman yelled back, literally, and said, uh, prove it. So David, uh, only 16 years old at that time, uh, on the spot, recited 176 verses from Psalm 119. 
Uh, now, I don't know about you if you have this chapter down, but I struggled with a few verses. You know, maybe the, I know the first verse for sure. Uh, so as impressive as, you know, David's memory was, uh, in the years to follow, uh, David realized that following Jesus uh, was j more than just head knowledge. Uh, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ, and uh, he went on to become a medical doctor. He went to Africa as a missionary, served there for 30 years, and he died there, and his body was brought back to, the, brought back to England. Uh, perhaps the world is uh, asking you today this question, prove you are disciples of Jesus Christ. What would you say? What would you say? What would you do? Uh, did, you, uh, did you know that the brother of Jesus, James, uh, said in his book, uh, be doers of the word, not just hearers only. So before we get into our passage, uh, would you pray with me? And I'll ask God for help. God, we stand here today as uh, people who are being recipients of your marvelous grace. We thank you for Jesus who sent to set the captives free. Once we were captive to our own self and sin, we were far away from you. We were, once we were lost without hope on the wide road to destruction. But through your Holy Spirit, you convicted us of our sin. You brought us to Jesus, in whom there is no sin at all. We ask that you would, your Holy Spirit would illuminate our minds, would soften our hearts, strengthen our hands to do good in this broken and needy world. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, there is much uh, need in this world. Would you agree? It's just the two of you. Yes? <laughs> much need. I know personally in the Indian community there are people lost uh, in religion, ritual, and legalism. Uh, legalism is not new. Uh, did you know 700 years before the birth of Jesus, uh, God called out the sin of the people of Israel for their sin of legalism. Uh, they were fasting uh, without the right heart, just for the sake of duty. Uh, they were doing it without faith. So God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, and he spoke these words uh, to the people of Israel. In Isaiah 58, <clears throat> this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. And remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. And give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. <laughs> you know, a few weeks ago... Uh, we were uh, serving our homeless friends in the downtown area of Portland. Uh, but before I share this, let me share a statistic, a wonderful st statistic with you. Did you know that 45%, 45% of children in this world, five and under, they die because they don't have enough food and nutrition? That's a lot of need in this world. Uh, Asia is the continent for the most hungry people. Sub-Saharan Africa, highest percentage 
of hungry people. 52% of diseases throughout the developing world is because of unclean water. And I say developing because there's developed countries and developing countries. Uh, people don't like to say third world countries anymore. They like to say developing. Uh, but 52% unclean water. So a few weeks ago on September 30th, on a Sunday, uh, you know, our group, our small group, uh, went out to serve our homeless friends in the downtown area of Portland. Uh, we met at the church here, loaded our van, and started heading out. Now imagine as we were heading out, uh, a group of people come and say, you don't need to do any good on a Sunday. Uh, today's a Sunday, you just need to rest, uh, sit down, and uh, you know, do whatever. Uh, and furthermore, they say that uh, feeding the hungry on a Sunday is against the, uh, it's not the right thing to do. Uh, how would you respond? I'm afraid there, there are people in church today uh, who are wrapped up in these do's and don'ts that doing a, a little good, a little discomfort, a little sacrifice is a big deal to them. Uh, some might even say that their interpretation of the Bible uh, prevents them from doing good. Uh, did you know that there were people like that in Jesus' day? Uh, they were called the Pharisees. Uh, just a definition about the Pharisees. Uh, the, the Pharisees were lay religious people that, who had high regard for the law of God, which is good. Uh, they had two pillars in their system, the religious system, Torah and then tradition. Torah are the five books of the law, Law of Moses or the law of God, uh, which is good. But the Pharisees also elevated uh, man's tradition over God's design. Yeah, when I think about the Pharisees, uh, the word Pharisee has its origin in the word separate. Uh, last Friday when I was with my wife cutting uh, onions for her, uh, helping her out in the kitchen, I was cutting onions and separating them out. And usually when, when I do that, it gives a little burning sensation in my eye. And, um, you know, it leaves a little strong odor. So I, I feel the Pharisees are like onions, you know, giving out a strong odor of legalism. You have layers too. <laughs> but here's what God wants you to be in this world. He wants you to be a sweet aroma to this world. You think about that? A sweet-smelling sacrifice for Jesus. So in our passage today, we'll see uh, the Pharisees, they were accusing the disciples of Jesus of breaking God's law on a Sabbath. So Jesus steps in for the disciples and responds to them uh, and tells them that rituals and traditions pale in comparison to doing good regardless of the day. And what do the Pharisees have to say back? Nothing. So if you have your uh, Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 28. Uh, Mark chapter 2, please, verses 23 to 28. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? 
he went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So if you look at this passage and even the previous verses, this is not the first time Jesus or his disciples were accused of something. Uh, the first time he's accused was uh, he was committing blasphemy. Uh, in the, if you remember the story of the paralyzed man, uh, his friends bring him in through the roof because it was overcrowded, and Jesus does not heal him immediately. He tells him, son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees have a problem with that. They're reasoning in their hearts, who is he that he can forgive sins? So Jesus, knowing exactly what is going on in their hearts, he responds to them and tells them, you know that the Son of Man, which is a self-reference to himself, he says, I have authority to forgive sins. And by the way, if you're here wondering where to forgive, where to find this forgiveness of sins, your journey has ended. Turn to Jesus. He still has authority to forgive sins. The second time they criticize Jesus is when Jesus has a meal with a disciple called Levi, a tax collector, uh, whom they thought he was a sinner, someone that was not to be with him. And they say, why does he eat with sinners? So Jesus tells them plainly, I did not come for self-righteous people. I came to call sinners to repentance. So here in this passage, they have a particular problem with Jesus and his disciples on how Jesus operates on a Sabbath. The Sabbath was a big deal to the Pharisees. The Sabbath was uh, the seventh day of the week, uh, starting at Friday sundown through Saturday evening. Uh, it was the day of assembly when the main synagogue service was held. It was also the day when uh, family and friends had a meal together. They did not cook a meal that day, but they stored a meal for that day. Uh, God's heart for the Sabbath, the day of rest, was that people should work for six days and rest on the seventh day so they can rest and reflect and thank God for all he has done. And so in order for the, the people of Israel not to do work, he gave certain laws and commands that excluded certain kinds of work. Not all kinds of work, but some. So on one Sabbath day, uh, Jesus is taking his disciples through ministry. They were tired, and they were hungry. And they started going through this grain field, and they started taking grains of corn through the grain field, and they started rubbing it in their hands and started eating them. What they did caught the attention of the Pharisees. And they said in verse 24, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. You know, the, the Pharisees had become so obsessed with the law uh, and their ritual, rituals and tradition that the, the slightest departure from the law was a problem to them. Uh, the eating was not an issue, but the eating uh, and the rubbing of grains with their hand on the Sabbath, that was the issue. So here we are, the, the Pharisees accusing the disciples, but let me pull back and see what the Sabbath day 
the institution of the day of rest look like all the way back in the book of Genesis. If we see Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, we see the day of rest. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from his work of creation. So here we are. We know that the Sabbath day, or day of rest, it is a day of rest. But what was the particular issue with the Pharisees? And here's what they most likely had in mind. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day, a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household <clears throat> may do any work. They knew the law. They knew Deut Deuteronomy, the five books of the law. But here we have to ask the question, was this accusation even legit? Was it even valid? Um, one commentator points uh, to the law in Deuteronomy uh, 23, 25. Let's see what it says. And when you enter the neighbor's grain, uh, field of grain, you may pluck the heads of grain with your hand, but you must not harvest. So here we see that the plucking of grain was allowed. And particularly because they were hungry, they had need. The harvesting of grain, was that was not allowed. But here we are, you know, kind of looking back at God's law, what was God's design for man as a day of rest and the accusation of the Pharisees. But what did Jesus say? You know, that's what we really need to get at. Jesus had a lot to say in response to this accusation. The disciples don't say anything. Jesus is now stepping in. And he had a three-part response. Let's look at what Jesus says in verses 25 through 26. Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? See, they had a need. They were hungry. He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred bread of loaves, loaves of bread, and only that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. So Jesus refers to a story back into the, from the Old Testament times about David. Everyone knew David. The Pharisees particularly, they knew David. And Jesus was saying, did you not know about this story? Because you know David. He was one of the greatest kings of Israel. And what was David doing at this time? In 1 Samuel 21, you can read more on that. Saul was trying to kill him. And David was running far away from Saul. And in his flight away from Saul, he runs. He's in, he's in, he's, he's in desperation. And he comes and enters the temple of God. And there he finds himself hungry. He had a human need. And then he finds bread. And the only bread there is the sacred bread. And there we see in the scripture that the priest there was Ahimelech. Uh, it doesn't say Ahimelech here, but when Abiathar was high priest, during the days of Abiathar, Abiathar was the son of Ahimelech. What Jesus is saying was there was a genuine human need. And David ate the sacred bread, which was not allowed to eat. Now, first, let me just say what Jesus is not recommending. Jesus is not recommending that anyone break the law of God. That is not what he's saying. You know, the other extreme side of legalism is a word called antinomianism, 
which means if you're a disciple of Jesus, one could say, well, I'm free to do anything you want. That's not true. You're free to not sin. That is what you're free to do, not sin at all. Remember Paul saying, I was a slave of unrighteousness, now I am a slave of God. But what was Jesus' point here in his response? Here's what he's trying to say or saying back to the Pharisees. Human needs can override rituals and tradition. Let me say that a second time if you didn't catch it the first time. Human needs can override rituals and tradition. Remember Jesus, how he shows compassion to the sick. He came to set the captives free. He came to relieve the oppressor, oppressed. He healed them and delivered from, from bondage. And he can do that to you as well. Any bondage, any oppression. Jesus is in the business of setting, of comforting you as setting the captives free once and for all. And he did not come to put strict, strict regulations on outside rituals and traditions. And what was Jesus doing here? He was exposing the legalism of the Pharisees. Here's an illustration that might help. Uh, suppose you're driving on the road with that the, the minimum speed is 35 miles per hour. And all of a sudden it's snowing and the roads are slippery. And everyone else has slowed down to 15 miles per hour. But then you insist you must drive at 35 miles per hour. That's only for your sake. But the roads are hazardous. It's going to endanger others around you. This is legalism. So on, an, on another occasion, on a Sabbath day, Jesus has another encounter with the Pharisees. And this time, he heals a man who had a withered hand, a lame hand. So before he heals him, did you know what he asked him? Perhaps the biggest, a, a great question that Jesus asked him. He asked him this question, is it lawful to do good or not do good on a Sabbath? Do you know what the Pharisees respond? They say nothing. They say absolutely nothing. But in their hearts, they were scheming, plotting. They were fuming with anger against Jesus to kill him. They were conspiring against him because he was doing good. So in view of what Jesus had to say about the Pharisees, uh, here are few application points that perhaps you can test them and see whether they apply to you. First, the Pharisees, Jesus saw that the Pharisees elevated rules and tradition above compassion and mercy. Second, the Pharisees taught others, but they did not do, them, do it themselves. The Pharisees were experts in showing off. They did their deeds to be seen by others, the Bible says. Uh, the Pharisees imposed burdens on others but they that they themselves did not lift a finger. That is sad. Do you feel your good works will earn credit with God or even cancel out your sin? Do you find excuses to not do good? 
some things for your consideration. So before Jesus heals this, uh, the man with the paralyzed hand, you know, Jesus looked at, their, looked at their heart. And do you know the evaluation of Jesus, how he found their heart condition to be? He, found, he saw them and said their hearts were hardened. He looked at them, their hearts were hardened, and they were grieved. Uh, he was grieved, sorry. The Bible says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Maybe you have grieved God, but remember he is still compassionate and gracious. The Bible says he's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn back to him. Seek him. Find his favor again. Return to him, the Bible says. Now that was the first part of the response to the Pharisees. In the last two verses, Jesus had two more things to say, great things to say. Let's look at verses 27 and 28. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, Master, even over the Sabbath. The first statement Jesus is saying is this, the Sabbath was created for man, for you, so that you could benefit from God's design. After six days of work, reflect what God has done for you. It was for your benefit. It was for the benefit of man, not the other way around, to put regulations on man. So God, Jesus was correcting this view, this incorrect view of the Pharisees. Second statement, perhaps a staggering claim Jesus is Lord even of the Sabbath. Do you know what that means? Jesus is saying that the God who had created the whole world and then rested on the seventh day, Jesus is claiming authority even over the day. Now, look at this contrast. The Pharisees were merely interpreting the law. Jesus is saying, I am the one who had written this law. Matter of fact, I'm the one who had created all of this. I have authority if I wanted to, to even overrule the Sabbath day. This is a big claim. He has authority to forgive sin. He has authority over sickness. He has authority over demons. He has authority over wind, sea. As we saw last week, he has authority over death. In the Gospel of John, he said, I have authority to lay down my life, and I have authority to raise it up again. And he died and rose again from the grave. In Matthew 28, 19, he says, All authority has been given in heaven and on earth. There's no higher authority than what Jesus has. He has all authority, which all means what? Not some. All but he uses his authority to show mercy, to show compassion, and to save and deliver those who are powerless over sin. He uses his authority to defend and serve his disciples. And he wants you as his disciples to do the same, to serve others. Jesus is the ultimate hope for the needy and hungry. And he wants you as a disciple to be his hands and feet. 
to see human need and respond the same way Jesus would have, to have those eyes of compassion. Do you know what Jesus called the Pharisees? He called them blind guides. They were blind to see human needs. They were just, you know, so holding on to the tradition of man. I started with the story of David Livingston. Um, here's what David's friends remembered him uh, when, when he was sharing with 20 years before he had passed away. My great object is to be like him, Jesus, to imitate him as far as he could be imitated. We have not the power of miracles, but we can do a little, a little in the way of healing the sick. And I sought a medical education in order that I might be like him. You know, friends, a little you have can do a great good. In closing, if you're not a disciple of Jesus, do you know Jesus wants to do the greatest good in your life? He wants to set you free from the power of sin and death. Scripture says, all have sinned and have come short of God's glory. Sin brings a lot of misery, grief, pain, and leads to death and judgment. Nobody wants that. But here's good news for you. Scripture says, God is near to the brokenhearted. I'm going to ask a question. Are you going to be brokenhearted for the sin that brings grief or for the grief that sin causes? God wants us to deal with the sin first. He can do both. He can comfort and he can forgive. Even if you have a thousand, 10,000 sins stacked up against you, Jesus is able to take all of those upon himself. He has died to take all of your sin, not some. So don't leave without leaving your sin at the cross, dear friend. When Jesus comes near, peace is yours, comfort is yours, joy will be yours. And I have experienced that years ago. And that increases, that only increases. No guarantee of a pain-free life, but joy is yours for the taking. As we transition into our next song, if God is speaking to you, if Jesus is speaking to you, would you write your sin and then confess it? And maybe there are two crosses here. Just leave them in the trash can and say, I am leaving my sin, Lord, and I will no longer sin. Would you turn your backs towards the wall and follow Jesus with all your heart? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the marvelous grace that you show us through your son, Jesus Christ, who came to set us free from all the oppression that sin causes. If there's anyone here, I want to plead with you. Would you turn from your sin? Would you confess your sin? Would you trust Jesus? Tell God you are sorry for your sin. Tell him you are sorry for your rebellion. Tell God that you need him. 
Tell God that you need him near you. He is not far away. He is close. Tell God you are here just the way you are, and he will clean you up. This will be the best decision you have ever made. I pray in Jesus' name.